Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And it's welcome to another of our beautiful summer editions of Writer on the Road. Today I've got with me the beautiful Pamela Cook and she has lots of stories to tell us because we just spoke for the last 20 minutes before we started the podcast today. Welcome Pamela. Hi Melinda, hi everyone. Yeah, is it Pamela or Pam? We better get that right before we start. Let's go with Pamela since that's what's on my book covers. It sounds very impressive. Now, everybody, the reason I've got Pamela on today is because she's just released her latest uh, novel, which I'll get her to tell us about in a moment. But coming on to summer and coming on to that beautiful time, I'm off to the beach on Monday where we can kick back and do some reading. I think this is a really good time where we talk to our Australian authors and we find out what we want to take to the beach with us. So for the next few weeks, I'm focusing on that, uh, getting books out there, supporting our Australian authors. And we're going to start with Pamela. Pamela, tell us about uh, The Crossroads. Okay, so um, The Crossroads is the story of three women. It's got three protagonists and it's a, it's a alternating or, you know, triple narrative. Um, and it's set in the outback Queensland town of Birralong, which is a fictional town. And it's basically three women in the one family who all have secrets and are basically telling lies either to themselves or to each other or to somebody that they love and um, in their family and in their town. And it's just about the way that these three women come together um, and what happens when they do. Yeah, and is it Faith, Faith Montgomery? It's Faith Montgomery who's um, she's the city girl who finds something out about her past that um, ends up taking her to be along to investigate more about that issue. It's very hard to sort of say too much without giving away the storyline. Um, and then there's... Um, so Faith is the city girl. There is Rose, Rosie O'Shea, who runs the pub in Birralong. And um, she has inherited the pub or sort of ran the pub with her husband but is now running it on her own since his death and is struggling financially uh, to keep the pub running. It's a heritage hotel and is falling down around her ears. And her daughter, Stephanie Bailey, is the third character who lives on a property on the outskirts of the town, quite a way out of the town, um, a very, very large cattle station that she runs with her husband and she's having issues with that and issues with him. Yeah, so we've got it. We've got our usual conflict. Now, I noticed you call yep. your books um, rural romance, oh, sorry, rural books with romance, with a touch of romance. Yes. Romantic elements is the word. Yes. Right. Yeah. So That's well, right. So it's not a romance. It's a, what What? It's what do you call it if it's not a romance? Um. Well, I, I think for my books, yeah, rural fiction probably fits better, although it, it has been, it's they've, they've all been put into the rural romance category because that's obviously a big genre at the moment and they do have romantic elements. But I guess um, my books are sort of more about the lives of the women and the romance is a feature in the book, but it's not the whole story. So they're not straight, my books aren't straight romances. They're sort of more like life stories, family dramas with, um, yeah, an element of romance. 
Yeah, I like I like that life stories and the rural genre is huge and you're mm. certainly with Exalted Company, like I've spoken to a few rural writers. Rural, it's hard to get your tongue around that, isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> rural writers here in Australia. And I'm really excited to meet you all because it's something that I really love to read. Uh, I'm looking at your cover at the moment of Essie's Way, which looks like it was um, one of your first. It was my second, yep. Essie's way, yes. Yeah, and the covers are just delightful. Do you get to choose the covers? Um, not really. I get a say in the covers. Um, so obviously that was a big learning curve for me. You know, when I wrote my first book, I sort of had this idea of what the cover would be and it was completely different to what it ended up um, because they do try and tap into that genre and there's certain elements on a cover that for each genre that readers identify with. So... You know, for rural, it's it's often the um, the girl maybe on a horse or with a hat or there's a windmill or there's a, a homestead or something like that. A lot of the authors now, are particularly in the straight in the romance, rural romance line, are um, featuring nice, gorgeous, hunky men on their covers. Um, they have the the covers do seem to be changing. Um, they do evolve, you know, a little. Uh, but with this cover, I did actually find the there's a, a a double image on the cover of the crossroads, one of a girl and a horse at the top, which is beautiful, which my publisher found. Um, and then we were looking for an image of a pub. So um, I happened to know a, uh, a lovely young rural photographer and I found the image of the pub that they ended up using on the cover of the crossroads on her website. So um, I did have a little bit of a say in this one, which was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and they are, I'm, I'm, I'm flicking through everybody, uh, Pam, Pamela has several books out now. We've got Essie's Way. We started with Black Blackwattle Lake, which I want to talk about in a moment. Close to home, and now the crosswords. Uh, cross crosswords. Cross, <laughs> crossroads. Oh, everybody! I am so sorry. I'm glad Pamela's articulate today. Uh, okay, Blackwattle Lake. It's what I want to talk about because that was a pretty exciting start to your career. Um, would you like to tell everybody or share with everyone how that came about? Yeah, so um, I had been I've been writing for probably about eight or nine years by the time I wrote Blackwater Lake, um, and I wrote it as after having spent about six years probably on one book, which was more a literary fiction type book, which has been um, put in the drawer for the time being, um, and then I was sort of just needed to write, move on, and write something really quickly, and I discovered Nano National Novel Writing Month, which is just finished um, again for another year. Um, where you write a novel of 50,000 words in a month. So I thought, at first I thought there's no way I could even contemplate doing that. Um, but then I thought, oh, look, why not give it a go? I've got nothing to lose. There's no, you know, paycheck at the end, but if I can do it, great. And I did that and it was amazing how the story just unfolded. So I started just with the image of a woman standing at a gate on a, at a horse property um, because over that period that I'd been writing, I'd also become involved with horses and um, they say, write what you know. So I did. And, um, yeah, it was it was an amazing process to write something quickly and to find that when you do push yourself and, and push through that plot that the ideas do come. Um, you know, I'd spent a long time on the one idea and labouring over it and labouring over the writing and it was great to just um, just write something really quickly. Um and then that sort of the story stayed with me and over the next probably 12 months I dipped in and out of it and tried to, you know, revise it a little bit more. And then in 2011 I applied for the Hachette Manuscript Development Program where you send um, you send the first 50 pages and then if they like it they ask for the rest of the manuscript and then they chose 
uh, nine people to go and attend a weekend in Queensland where you meet the publisher who has by that stage read your book and gives you feedback. Um, you can then go and do the, use the feedback or not and then you have the opportunity to resubmit. So, yeah, that was what happened with Blackwater Lake and um, at every step along the way I was absolutely amazed that, you know, I sort of got through the next stage and when I got that phone call from Vanessa Radnich at Hachette, my publisher, I was absolutely oh, ecstatic. It was fantastic to say, you know, yeah, we love your book, we want to publish it and we want to put it out by Christmas and that was in July 2012. So, Yeah, and yeah. it looks like you've put one out every Christmas since. Um, almost. I did drop the ball a little bit with the third one. Um, that took a little bit longer. So I had um, December 2012 uh, was Blackwater Lake. Then I had Essie's Way 2013 and Close to Home came out in July 2015 and now The Crossroads, December 2016. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice story, everybody, isn't it? But I'm still getting over. Um, you called it Hachette. I've always called it Hatchet. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not even. I'm not even pronouncing it correctly. It's supposed to be Ashet without the H. Yeah, I think because it's French. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, you've learned something here today on Writer on the Road. We are so talented. Uh, That's now, right. If you submit to Hachet, always drop the H. The yeah. other's a tip. <laughs> Get it right. I think, I think it is um, those mentoring programs uh, where you submit and then they take you on and they guide you through the process. That seems to be a bit of a popular way for some writers to get started. Um, mm. I'm guessing you've made friends along that journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I had submitted to this same program a couple of years prior, uh, well, probably for about three years in a row with my first manuscript. Um, but obviously, at the time when they accepted Blackwater Lake, they were looking for um, they were looking for rural fictional rural romance. Um, there were a group of nine of us on that um, in that year. Uh, Inga, Inga Simpson, who has written a couple of beautiful books, um, The Nest and Mr. Wig, she's a literary writer. Uh, she was in that group, um, and yeah, I'm still in touch with the pe other people that were in that group. Um, I've also been in a writing group at the New South Wales Writers' Centre for. 10 years now um, and while they started off being 13 of us we're now down to about four or five and we've had a couple of new members come in but honestly that that support that you get from other writers and the people that you meet through writing I think that's probably the best thing about being a writer to be honest. Uh, and and that's what we're all about here on mm. Writer on the Road that that networking that support that sharing sharing knowledges and mm. being so very generous that's one thing I've noticed with uh, our writers everyone who comes on to the podcast uh, helps everybody else they've all got stories about not about themselves but how they help others and that seems to be um, particularly strong in our in our romance field or in our rural mm -hmm. field I think I'm thinking of people like Jen McLeod um, ever generous we've got um, Jenny Jones over in WA Rachel Johns yeah. all those kinds of people they just they can't give back enough um, yeah. you all just seem so relaxed and so pretty and so helpful and and kind where are all our male writers Ah, oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, I, I have to say pretty much nearly every writing course I've ever been to or given, um, there's it's sort of, you know, 20 women to one man type thing, almost literally. Um, and, yeah, I, I really don't know. I 
It's a good question whether I think maybe, you know, obviously writing different genres, probably there's more men out there writing, you know, maybe crime and um, things like that. Even the, the weekend I did or the, the program through Hachette, there was some um, eight women and one man. <laughs> um, and, and Ross was writing uh, fiction, like contemporary fiction, probably more with a, obviously more male point of view, but books that equally men or women would love to read. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know, it would be great to see more men out there. And I know, you know, I go to the RWA conferences each year um, and there are a, a handful of men there who are writing writing romance of whatever kind. Um, but, yeah, it is very much predominantly a, a female uh, pursuit. Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting. Mm. I, we might have to work on that one, guys. Um, mm. Every time I get a, a bloke on the podcast, we talk about the business of writing and we talk about the very serious non-fiction stuff. Whenever I get mm. the women on, we always um, natter away about these beautiful mm. covers and, and handsome heroes. I mean, I guess it's what I want to talk about. Um, moving, <laughs> <laughs> moving right along, and um, you mentioned that you did NaNoWriMo, or is it NaNoWriMo, this year. Yeah. Did you, did you churn out another novel? No, I didn't, I had to say. Um, so I've done it. The only time I think I've ever actually finished it is that first year. <laughs> um, but I think it's a, but I have used that same concept with every book that I've written, even if I might not have done it in November and I haven't done it in a month. Um, but I have used that same idea of writing your first draft quickly, um, not labouring over whether it's good, bad, you know, whether you've spelled a word right or whether that sentence is great or not, um, trying to push through to get the plot out first and then to really then concentrate more on your revision, you know, and take longer with that. Um, yeah, I think Nano did teach me that, well, for me anyway, and I know for a lot of other people have found the same thing, is that that creative process, your, your brain, if you keep pushing through it, your brain just will keep and your subconscious will keep throwing ideas up at you because um, I am someone who is not, you know, there's, there's writers out there that have thousands of plots that they just don't have enough time to write. Um, I'm not really one of those writers. I, I tend to find, go with one idea at a time that sort of comes to me over, you know, a, a number of months or whatever. And then I, um, yeah, I, but I do find that that plot just, you know, skyrockets when I actually sit down and do the writing rather than sit and mull over it, um, you know, in a more abstract way. Yeah. Now I'm really interested in what you've got to say here, Pam. I'm about to go and sit by the beach with my caravan. Oh, and lucky you. Yeah, lucky me. I've been, <laughs> I've been waiting for this. <laughs> um, Pamela's a teacher as well, so she knows what I'm talking about yeah, here. Yeah. It's the end of the year. I'm going off to play. Uh, now I notice you've got up here a post for writers, 10 tips for getting words on the page. Everyone out there, I think we all like to hear this kind of stuff because we always think someone else has got that magic secret for us. Now, you've certainly shared um, writing that first draft and getting your ideas out there quickly. Uh, what else have you got for us? Um, well, as I mentioned before, definitely have some sort of writing support, whether it's just one other writing buddy or whether it's a group that you can bounce ideas around, um, you know, commiserate when you get rejections, have whatever. You, you definitely need some other sort of person there, I, I feel, um, or, or group of people supporting you in your writing. Um, uh, yeah, write fast, write furious. Um, quantity uh, first, quantity over quality in your first draft. Um, I think ideally if you can, once you've done that first draft, do put it away and give it some time. Um, 
Having said that, I usually, the last few books I've written, I've been on such a deadline that I haven't been able to give them a lot of time between drafts. Um, but, yeah, I think definitely, um, you know, if you can give it a, a couple of weeks or even a month or two, you know, before you look at it again and, and get that objectivity. Uh, it's really, really hard to treat your own writing as someone else's, but when you get to the revision stage, that's what you would aim to do. You know, look at this piece of writing as if it's somebody else's and you're now going to fix it for them. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and be kind to yourself, everybody. Don't say, oh, God, you're stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, you have to be no. very gentle. Be very gentle with the writer yeah. part of you. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, I've been delighted to have Pamela on today because she does teach creative writing. She does have her own business and, and talking about um, – like firing that up again in the new year, justwrite.net.au. I'll, I'll um, note that in the transcript for, for you. Uh, teaching creative writing, it's always a difficult one. And what I found myself that it's not so much that you're a teacher, it's that you're an accountability partner. You're finding mm -hmm. that people use you more for that to say, to get, get people over that hump of yeah. giving up. Yeah, um, definitely. I think... For a lot of people, uh, they see writing as an indulgence or a hobby or something that they're always going to do down the track. Um, and a lot of women, I think, in particular, because we have so many demands on our time, not to say that men don't, but they're demands of a different kind. And I think, you know, um, if you're working and you're raising a family and you're trying to do everything else that we do, um, there's a lot of pressures on us and, and writing or, or anything like that that you would love to do gets pushed to the bottom of the list. Um, but it is something, you know, I always say it's something you always, you have to love doing it, of course, but like everything that you want to get better at, there's got to be a certain amount of discipline. So, yeah, I'm definitely, as a writing teacher, somebody that's always constantly trying to get people to carve some time out for their out of their day for themselves, you know, to actually sit down and just write something for 10 or 20 minutes or, um, you know, just to find that little bit of a, a slot for their, their own writing and their own life. Yeah, and you find once you start that you put your head up half an hour later and you go, wow, mm. I didn't I didn't know that that would be so quick and so pleasurable. And then you get that wonderful satisfaction of reading back over the rubbish that you wrote and go, wow, I, I can fix yeah. that. Yeah? Yeah, I'm a massive proponent of um, free writing, which, you know, I, I learned in the early days from people like, you know, through the books of people like Julia Cameron and Natalie Goldberg. Um, I'm, I've got the most massive book library of writing books, I think, on earth. Um, but, yeah, I'm a big proponent of that free writing where you just write without um, censoring, without editing and really just try and let your subconscious take over. And, and it is amazing when you do come up for air and think, wow, you know, I mean, sometimes you're looking at it and it's rubbish, but other times just this most amazing stuff comes out that you never knew that, that was in there in the first place. Yeah, and you look back and you see that, that ideas do link up, uh, that, yep. that that your, as you said, your subconscious <coughs> is at work. Um, mm -hmm. You go to sleep one night, you wake up the next morning, you do some more writing, mm -hmm. and you actually start to see your baby come to life. And I think people who haven't written don't realise that it's the process of writing that makes you a writer, and you can't actually analyze it at the beginning you actually have to do it so I think plotting are you are you a plotter no I'm not I wish I was um I've tried I generally start with um you know as I said an idea or a character or a situation um and and get the first part 
And, you know, usually typically about 15 or 20,000 words in, which is where I am with the new one I'm writing now, um, I tend to get a bit stuck. Um, but I actually saw Fiona McIntosh speak last week and, and she's an amazingly, you know, prolific and very organised and disciplined writer. And I think I actually have a very similar process to her, except I hadn't recognised it, where she says that she um, she does what she does is nothing but research for quite some time, for about, you know, six weeks or two months or so before she sits down to write. It's just research. And then when she sit, and then when she sits down, if she gets to that point where she does get a bit stuck around 20,000 words, she goes back and does more research and that's when the ideas start to come and something comes to her and that's when she's able to then just sit down and finish the book. Um, and I think I'm a little bit the same. I mean, I hadn't really analysed it the way that she had. And, and then she said she actually sits for pretty much 12 weeks and does nothing else but write the book um, and straight through. And um, so I'm going to have a crack at that with my next one. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's another thing, everybody. There's always your next one. You, you mm. fiddle your way through one and you go, oh, God, there's got to be an easier way. And you think, yeah. oh, next time I'll get it right. And then you go and do exactly the same thing again. Mm. Oh, absolutely. That's crazy. But I do find, too, that each story has its own process. Um, you know, each of my books has been different in the way that the story has developed, really. Um, so, for instance, with The Crossroads, that was one where I did a whole lot of research um, first, a little bit like Fiona, I guess, and then I went to bed one night. I didn't really know where I was going with it or who the characters were or anything. And then I went to bed one night and I had that spooky experience of not being able to sleep and the story literally came to me in the middle of the night with three characters, roughly what the connections were between them, what rough storyline for each one. And I thought, if I don't sit up and write this down, <laughs> I'm going to lose it. Um, and then, yeah, when I read it the next morning, I went, oh, wow, that's my plot. Um, and that hadn't happened before. So, you know, I'm hoping that might happen again, but uh, it probably won't. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's just subconscious, um, working away, mulling mm. things over. Uh, I've done that as well. You, you're writing away there. Uh, then you go to bed and you think of these wonderful ideas and I go, I've got to write, like you said, write it down because otherwise it'll be gone. And sometimes I roll over and I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking, what on earth was that idea? Yeah. And you know that um, old uh, study uh, trick where you just remember the first letter of every every word yep. and then you think, if I remember that, I'll be able to remember the sentence. Couldn't even do that. And I thought, <laughs> your brain gets old. <laughs> And I think your middle-of-the-night brain's, yeah, a, a unique beast. <laughs> it's not one that you can easily train. <laughs> yeah. Now, stick with me, everyone. I did have this planned out. I did warn Pamela that I would go <laughs> down this track. Um, the creative writing process, it's um, what I'm fascinated in. It's what I research day in and day out. So when I found out that Pamela was a creative writing teacher and that she had done her Master's in creative writing mm. uh, and that she does have a literary novel tucked away in her shelves there I've got to ask you when are you pulling that thing out again and <laughs> um yeah that's a good question it's part of that book is set in Nepal and um because I wrote it quite some time ago now I sort of feel the need to go back there to if I'm going to revisit that book um and there's also some issues in it that I think I don't know I think that's a book that's probably one that I'm going to am going to pull out later um whenever the time is right um yeah, and, and if I can weasel in a trip to Nepal in order to do that, that would be wonderful. Um, so, yeah, but it's interesting because, um, you know, having come from a background of sort of reading poetry, literature, you know, more literary fiction and, and writing that as well, it's sort of interesting moving into a different genre 
Um, and, yeah, I'm constantly um, being asked, you know, are you always going to write, you know, rural romance or, you know, do you think you're going to write it any, anything else? Um, and I guess at the moment it's just whatever book comes to me at the time is what I'm writing. And, and obviously I have a publisher who, who wants to continue publishing me, hopefully, in this particular genre. So I'm sticking with it at the moment. Yeah, and we all want yep. to see more of your rural. rural <laughs> can someone change that name, please? <laughs> no, it's certainly a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Uh, now you've got more contracts underway. You've got more books coming out. Um, you talk about reading as being one of your key tips to being a writer yeah definitely um oh are you there yep I'm there I thought I'd, I thought I'd lost you for a minute um oh absolutely look you know it's funny in the past I have taught writing classes where I have had the occasional person that says oh no I don't read books and I just think how can you write a book if you don't read you know I mean for me I guess with my teaching background and you'd know too Melinda the the absolute core of of, of any sort of um essay writing or, or understanding really of anything is reading, you know, and the kids that have had that background of reading with their parents, reading from a very young age, I've always found are the ones who do well across the board in their subjects. So um, I think the same applies to writing. You know, I'm a big believer in reading in a lot of different genres. Um, you know, I don't tend to stick to one genre when I read um, and you just – once you once you start to write a lot more and, and you have particularly written your own stories or books, you start to look at other writers and the way they write differently. So you come at stories differently as a reader. It can be a bit annoying sometimes because you'll go, you, you know, you might be constantly analysing and going, oh, no, I'm not sure I like that sentence or, you know, oh, this is great characterisation or whatever. So it can be hard to just enjoy the story sometimes. But um, definitely, you know, you, you just absorb so much subconsciously through what you read, I think. Yeah, and that, and that's one of the biggest um, tips of all. Uh, readers uh, love writers, but writers love reading. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, I have a word of the week. I've always had a word of the week and I've always put it on my um, boards at school. I notice you've got a word of the year. Oh, yeah, you're reminding me about that. I'd forgotten it. I think I've forgotten what it was. Is it discipline? It is discipline. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's going to be my word of the year next year too because <laughs> it's something I'm really bad at. Um, yeah, you know, like I was mentioning Fiona McIntosh, who said she, once she starts a book she sits there and she doesn't move and nothing, she doesn't have any social interaction or whatever. Um, I'm really not like that and I really want to be like that. But um I find, you know, it's one of those things, It's work, you're working from home and it's just so easy to be um, distracted, interrupted, you know, we're on a property now so go off and check the horses out or take the dog for a walk or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I really do need to and believe that you should treat it as a business and sit down, you know, with set set number of hours that you're going to write for, um, set number of hours maybe on social media, that sort of thing. Um, so, yes, discipline yeah. is my word here. <laughs> Isn't it sad, everybody? We picture writers having such a romantic life. And I speak to people like Amy Andrews and um, Annie Seaton, and their fingers are going because they sit at their, their keyboards for so many hours a day. Like um, mm. I think Melinda Hammond over in um, England who writes her Regency romances, she, she sits there for nine hours a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I didn't come in here for this. I came here to sit at the <laughs> beach and play writing. 
and not actually have to work <laughs> for it. Now, I notice your go- daily goals are 2,000 words, but you let yourself off the hook at 500. Yes, I think um, if you, I think a word count is a great way to keep yourself accountable and, and to sort of instill that discipline. Um, usually if I sit, I mean, I, I think, again, I learnt that from Nano. So to write 50,000 words in a month, you need to write around 1,700 words a day. Um, and it's really not that hard. I mean, 2,000 words is about, oh, I don't know, I'm thinking maybe about five pages or something. And, again, you know, if you let go of the idea that it's got to be perfect or brilliant, um, you can do that quite easily, you know. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not uh, not saying that we should all churn out rubbish, but, um, you know, you'll, you'll find lots of gold when you go back through those pages and some of them you'll scrap. But, um, yeah, if you can set yourself a goal um, and use, using a timer, I found is really great too. So when I was writing The Crossroads, you know, I went through this period where I really needed to sit down and, and try and meet that deadline. And um, I actually read John Birmingham's book about, well, it's, it's got quite a funny title. I can't think of what it is now. But he basically, you know, talks about using um, a timer and I think it's the Pomodoro technique, you know, where you sit for, you set the timer for, I don't know, 35 minutes or something, get up for 10 minutes, sit down again, and you do that for a couple of hours. And in that week that I really did that religiously, I wrote 14,000 words, um, which is the most I've written, you know, in that period of time probably ever. So, yeah, word goals and timers are great. Yeah, and word sprints, I think, is what is what you refer to yeah. them in your blog. Mm. Uh, I laugh because you mentioned you said you had a huge stack of uh, how to write books, motivational mm. magazine, all those kinds of things. I think we collect them like we collect funny pens. Or, <laughs> I, I think as writers, you know, if you look at our stationery drawers, you look at our pen cupboard and then you look at our writing bookshelves, we buy them and we say, oh, we need them for our work, but really we buy them because we're obsessed. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I mean, in the early days, it was um, it was obviously, you know, I was really looking for ideas on and how to write um, and how to just get into the whole whole thing. And I still am. I mean, you know, I've, I've written four or well, five books, I guess, if you count the unpublished one. But, um, you know, I, I just think you can never learn enough. And, and with each book, I try and set for myself something something new to work on. Um, so I guess for the crossroads it was having that triple narrative and interweaving the plots and really working on the, the different voice for each character. Um, but, I mean, I often often go back to, you know, the, the writing books on my shelves and sit down and just, you know, I might read them front to back or I'll just dip in and out. But, um, yeah, great motivational tools and, and great if you really want to double-check, I'm oh, really not sure how to, to go about this particular thing. You know, it's a great way to remind yourself or to learn how to do that. Yeah, and things like um, chapter endings and how people start mm. chapters, and especially if you're in, say, you wanted to write a rural romance or rural story, uh, you can go and see how all of you guys have done it by looking at the length, you look at the beginning yep. of the chapters, the end of the chapters, the kinds of descriptions that you use. Uh, you can tell a rural romance from its cover a mile away because that's what the publishers want. They want all the readers out there to identify, oh, this is my kind of story, I'm going to buy it. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, I run my podcast the same way. I see covers like yours and I go, oh, I want to talk to that woman, <laughs> <laughs> which could go a long way to explain yeah, why we've got no boys on our podcast because I don't look, yeah. I don't look at those um, James Patterson type ones and go, wow, I've got to have those people on my podcast because I simply don't read right, them. Yeah. So I might have to do a little note to self, everybody, that I have to start picking up covers that I don't like. 
<laughs> so we can, so I can give well, you, you some know, variety. That whole cover thing is really interesting, actually, because um, often you know there's a story inside the cover that yeah, okay, it is you know reminiscent of that that um, cover, but there's probably a lot of people that could read those books um, that maybe that wouldn't pick the book up because of the cover, but would love the story. So you know, I think there's pros and cons with that whole marketing thing too. Um, you know, like a lot of the books I've read in the rural romance genre, they're fantastic stories and they're just stories about women who are, you know, really strong women, um, you know, facing lots of obstacles and conflict and then overcoming it. And, I mean, there's loads of people that would love to read them, I'm sure. But And I have actually had people review my books and say, you know, oh, the cover, um, you know, while some, some of us love those covers, other people are put off by it. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of, you know... Swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know from your literary studies, from your master's in creative writing, that like way back in the 70s when I was studying in the 80s, um, way back in the olden days, everybody, um, <laughs> you almost had to do feminist studies to mm. dig out our female writers uh, and where they were called domestic stories where you learn, you know, the miniature of life. And it was an academic um, field all of its own where women were actually fighting to get women's stories told. Now we yeah. have very, very strong women uh, like yourself, very educated uh, and telling stories from women's viewpoints where the female characters are strong. I, I'm guessing our stories have been there forever. Um, it's just that we had the, the masculine um, canon uh, running mm. running through our history. So I think it's great that, and especially this rural thing, like I was out in Norseman in WA when I wrote The Miner's Wife, um, and I did my thesis on, um, uh, what was it, uh, The Myth of the Miner, The Miner's Wife or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and I had to dig really deeply to find women in the stories, let alone um, women writers. I think I found Catherine Susanna Pritchard. Um, Yeah, a couple of those. Other than that, it was difficult. Nowadays, we've got people doing their theses on romance novels. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, you know, I I had never been obviously involved with the RWA before I, um, you know, wrote Blackwater Lake and I've started the last few years I've been to the Romance Writers of Australia conferences and that what an amazing bunch of women, like, you know, they're just, and I really feel that they're um, partly responsible for this sort of more widespread acceptance of the romance genre. You know, they're, they're constantly working to um, publicise, to market, you know, the writer, their writers' books and, and stories and everything. And I think groups of women like that are just, you know, a force to be reckoned with and, and they're doing an amazing job. Oh, look, it is yep. amazing. I've got, um, is it, uh, what is it, Daughter of the Murray, Derry Fraser, I spoke yep. to her recently, and she was mentored by Amy Andrews. So I dropped a line to Amy and said, how about we do a little 15-minute thing at the end of Derry's about the editing process and, like, your mentorship role um, with mm. Derry's book? And it's interesting. She just came back and said, would absolutely love to. And it's it's supporting, I think, Derry mm. in, in her launch of her beautiful book. And, again, it's got a beautiful cover, everyone, Daughter of the Murray, um, that's another great Christmas read for us. All right, I'm going to let you go simply because I could just talk creative writing forever. And I know <laughs> we could we could talk all day about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know where you live, down in the beautiful Illawarra of New South Wales. Everybody, uh, it is a magic part of the world. I've been looking at the beautiful photos uh, you have on your website. Are you a photographer? Because those photos are magnificent. Uh, no, I'm not. And most of them are just taken on my little old iPhone. 
Um, so, yeah, but there are plenty of opportunities here to, to take beautiful snaps. So we're really lucky. I've only been living here 12 months and it's it's fantastic, yeah. Um, I'm having a nice day at home today and not going anywhere, just yeah. loving it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, well, 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 Crossroads was um, launched locally. It was launched in a local bookshop and it looked like you had a wonderful time there. It was. It was great to just – it's a fairly new bookshop as well and, um, you know, I just thought really nice to have something in the local area and I had loads of sort of local people and, you know, people from all over the place came and a friend came from Taree even for it. So, um, yeah, no, it was fabulous. Great to be here and sort of getting into the local lifestyle and everything. It's really wonderful. Yeah, and that's another subject on its own, everybody. Who would be brave enough to open a bookshop in this day and age? Because we still have our bookshops. We were in Avid Reader here yesterday. Uh, my daughter and I snuck in. And there's nothing like wandering along the bookshelves and finding a new treasure. And I found a new treasure, so I'm really excited. The girls have put it yeah. under the Christmas tree. We get, Look, we need our bookshops, don't we? We do. And um, I have to say that the, the bookshop that's been opened here, it's actually a lovely lady who runs kids' tutoring centres. Um, and she had this space at the front of the centre and she thought, oh, I'll open a bookstore and it started off just as really kids stuff. So um, I think she's sort of, she's gone into it as someone not from a bookselling background. So I'm really hoping for her that it, um, you know, it does do well because, as we know, um, it's a difficult business to be in. Well, I guess I guess she did it on blind faith. <laughs> she did. She did, and I'm not. I'm not enlightening her as to the. <laughs> not that I'm an expert, but I have, you know, seen over the last five years, of course, the demise of lots of the bookstores um, around the place. But um, yeah, look, I, there's another. I, I've got a, a fabulous bookstore I visit down in Ulladulla, the Harbour Bookstore, <clears throat> and um, you know, I think if you you're someone that's really determined to do it and to to keep at it, and and it's you know, getting that local support too I think is really important. So hopefully she'll do well, fingers crossed. Yeah, everybody go and buy a book from your local bookstore. Mm -hmm. Go and buy the crosswords from your local bookstore. <laughs> Don't buy it from Big W. That would be a wonderful yeah. start. Uh, okay, can you give us a big wrap-up and plug for the crossroads because this is Christmas and we want everyone to buy your book. Okay, wonderful. Yes, well, look, I hope that you can um, you can go out and buy it. It is a, all my books are a good, quick read. There's lots of tension, lots of conflict, um, lots of issues you can get your teeth into. It's getting actually really happy. It's getting great reviews on Goodreads, so you can check those out. Um, it's got a few five and four star reviews up there, which is fantastic. Um, and for anybody out there who is interested in um, doing a writing retreat, I'm running one in April in. Um, uh, April 29 in Fiji so would love anybody to to join me so feel free to contact me about that or check out my website uh, now we did have a little bit of a conversation about uh, a writer's retreat in Fiji everybody I keep reading all these wonderful writers it started with Kate Forsyth she brought the um, writer retreat idea to my mind and she's off to the Cotswolds and then I read mm -hmm. another guy's off to I think as you said it was Bali or Fiji or one of those and so everybody I'm having a writer's retreat but as I said to Pamela it's going to be up at Mulaney it's going to be in the Sunshine Coast hinterland because I'm too lazy to Beautiful. go overseas <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to get Annie Seaton and Amy Andrews to come up with me oh um, brilliant well that no yeah. they don't know they don't know that yet Okay. <laughs> nobody, nobody tell them. I'll break it to them gently. <laughs> Pamela, you're beautiful. Um, 
love to talk to you more about uh, your creative writing and if you get your writing business back up and running where your mentor, younger or other mm. writers, it's justwrite.net.au if anybody's interested. Uh, Crossroads is coming or is just out this very, very minute. Um, I'll try and buy it when I'm up on the Sunshine Coast today. Merry Christmas to you, Pamela. Thank you. Thank and, you and same to you, Melinda, and yeah. everybody who's listening. Yeah. And look, good luck on that beautiful property down there. I know it's a beautiful part of the world down down all the the Shellhaven River down there. Um, it's my home territory. Um, we've got family down at Batemans Bay. Oh, lovely. Yeah. yeah, and I've played a lot of golf at Mollymook. So. Oh, yes, <laughs> I'm familiar with Mollymook, yep. Yeah, okay, so that's it from right around. God, now I can't even say rural romance right, right on, on the road. road. Where are, I'm changing the name, everybody. And it's goodbye from me at Rider on the Road. Uh, till next week. Bye for now. 